The Hundred Marathon Club by Darren Smith. Number 14, Hull. 24th of September 2017. The fun and games were over. The gloves were off. No turning back. No retreat, no surrender. Or let's hope. But you know what they say? The doubt is the precursor of joy. And after failures at Comrades and Ultrax, as well as a missed opportunity at a Bowie-themed lap race, another SVN, where I painted a lightning bolt on my face, I needed to get back on the marathon trail at Hull. A strange choice for me is it was never on the list. It was actually nowhere near the list. But needs must and all that, and with a glowing review from world record holder Steve Edwards, I travelled up, joining northern friends Cat Pressy and the twins. Training had been going well post-Ultrax. In fact, it had since post-Comrades, and had only failed at Ultrax because of the elevation and the tight cut-off. A road marathon in the UK would be a breeze in comparison to my two A races for that year, although it did start as a pain. Maybe it was my fault, as at the time I didn't read race emails discussing training, relays and expensive and unnecessary merchandise. But I was not the only runner who didn't realise that they were not posting out the race packs. And so you needed to, one, go collect them from a college somewhere in a city that most of us had never been to. And two, that this had to be done before 5pm on the day before the race. My train got in at 4.48. And so I had to ask a guardian angel, Colin I think, to pick my race number up for me before meeting up for a Thai meal somewhere close to our hotels. The race started next to the stadium, not in it, next to it. And it was quite reminiscent of the Milton Keynes Marathon in this regard. Also, much like MK, it had the finish inside the stadium, which I do love. Looking around, there was about a thousand marathon runners. But our numbers were grown by there being two relays happening at the same time. A two-person relay, where I guess they do a half each, and a four-person relay, where they do just over ten. This means that there would be more people on the route, which was fine, but when suddenly someone comes belting past you at 35 kilometres and you are really hurting, and it turns out they've only just started their quarter of the race, well, that could be really demoralising. It all started at 9am, and we ran out and into the empty shopping streets of the city centre. It was a ghost town, except for the marshals, who were superb throughout, standing on corners and pointing us that way, or this way, the right way. And there were a lot of turns at the start. We barely made a block before we turned and turned again and again down alleyways, and then finally escaped the maze and arrived at a water stop and the river. And the Humber River is wide, and spectacularly so, much wider than the Thames and the Hudson and the East River, any river, river I'd spent a decent amount of time on. It was quite a sight, 
as we edged the water for a while before turning back and into town for a long loop that brought us all the way back to the river again and one of many small bridges. It was here that we started towards the famous Humber Bridge. It was in the distance. You could just make it out over the cargo ships through eyes watering from the stench of the bales of garbage rotting on the dockside as tall as a house. A big old stinky house. This little bit, the the docks, was reminiscent of the industrial estate in the Brighton Marathon. Empty of life and desolate. Like I said, the start and finish did remind me of Milton Keynes, as did a few of the underpasses and all of the roundabouts. The next bit, from what I remember, was a very long there and back, like one I ran in Manchester that would take us all the way to the bridge and then back over it with a small detour down some country lanes. It was along here that I realised that the water tables were just that, water. There was no additional fuel, no Lucozade or Powerade, no Coke, no Jelly Babies, no nothing. But the locals, the supporters, and the support was very good from the, after the desolate start, they came out with tubs of Jelly Babies and Haribo and orange segments and bananas. The race tables were particularly sparse, though. That is, until I got on the long straight, looked over onto the other side of the road and spotted that around the 20-mile mark, we would be getting Lucasade. It was hotter than expected and the water tables with their cups were about five kilometres apart. I could handle that, hydration-wise. I think everyone should be able to. But I was going into yet another marathon with barely anything in my belly and no gels. Along with my phone, I had four mint creams and a mini Mars bar in the back pocket of my race shorts. And what this meant was that after 15, 20, 25 and 30k, I would wash a mint cream down with water or whatever is offered on the water tables, and then keep going. It was a no-music affair, not even over ears this time. Back in the day, old days, I would gripe about this and actually... Shh, 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 get close, come here, come here. This is a secret, but don't tell anyone. But I did bail on a few races early on, the band headphones because I relied on it so much. Nowadays, I'm a bit of an old pro, and especially on ultras, I run without music at all, so I'm okay with it. But who doesn't like the sound of the long, drawn-out death rattle of a pair of heaving, straining lungs and the slap-slap of their sore feet on the ground? Oh no, not me, that's music to my ears. Now, the Humber Bridge is a big thing both physically and metaphorically when you come up face to face with it. You climb from a countryside B road stroke lane, turn and it's right there, larger than life, in front of you, 3D, coming at you. You are already on the approach and incline with a small crowd of onlookers cheering before you mount the monster itself. Now, I actually enjoyed this bit so much, and I'll talk about it in a minute, that 
There's a race called Hoth, Hell on the Humber, that happens several times over the course of the year, where you get six hours, 12 hours, 24 hours, or 36 hours to run as many times over the bridge as possible. And I love it. I will be going back next year for sure. But back to the whole marathon. They had closed one lane of the their leg, meaning that you were running on the inside lane, or oh, was it the outside lane? The outside lane uh, of the bridge, the lane closest to the sheer 30-metre drop into the river below. Traffic raced by on the other side of a set of cones that would not, if a car veered, do anything to stop you getting squished. On the other side of the bridge, though, those on the way back were running along the footpath. So for this period, I was a little bit nervous until I made halfway. Once back across the chasm, I hit the last 10k relay point, and I knew I was on the way. That last 10k, the boom, the enjoyment factor raising, the confidence factors raising, you know that you're going to finish. And it was here that two unique things happened. Well, unique as far as my racing life anyway. First, I sort of turned onto this running track of a local sports club, which was kind of cool. And after running on pavement for the best part of four and a half hours, the spongy orange track was one of the best things you have ever experienced. I thought I was just going to be doing a lap around it and then exiting in the car park, but that's not what was going on here. As you circled the outside lane, well, I took the middle lane, actually, uh, you hit a timing mat, which is confusing. They wanted, and this is some way after mile 24, on a hot, sunny marathon, for you to run a 100-metre sprint on the track. And they published a separate list of times for the runners for the marathon. So basically, I had my marathon time and my 100-metre sprint time. Very odd. But who was I to say no? And second, ringing his bell in the middle of the road on the long way back to the city was the town crier. He was ringing his bell, saying, final mile, final mile. The only problem was he actually wasn't at mile 25. He was a little bit off. Actually had further than that to go. So the takeaway really is never trust an old man with a bell. But my watch was spot on distance wise and I had made a, and as I made a few turns looking for the stadium floodlights, I, I couldn't see them. I was now starting to flag and was desperate to finish when I finally made the parking lot. It was here that I met a guy who was limping pretty badly. A marshal shouted at us that you guys need to run to the finish, keep going, but the guy could barely walk. So I slowed down and started to walk with him. I told him that, look, I'll walk with him if he needs. Arms wide, we can milk the moment as we enter the stadium. He said he would be okay though, and with a handshake, I left him to run into the stadium by myself where I was cheered on by my fellow UK run chatters, looped around the pitch, and marathon number 7 of the year, and 14 in total, was done and dusted. I also got to meet up with my Milton Keynes Stadium finish partner, Lisa Freeman, once more, as she finished at pretty much the same time as me, which is probably perfect, 
maybe coincidental, or she could be stalking me. I'm not sure. Next up, the Yorkshire Marathon.